Creativity and innovation are what will make you stand out from your competition, not having the lowest price. But what if you're not creative? Can innovation happen for those of us who don't invent while wearing a lab coat? Or can creativity be strengthened like a muscle, even though I don't work on a MacBook for the marketing department? Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and in today's conversation, it's going to help redefine creativity for all of us. And by the end of the conversation, we're all going to have the opportunity to tap into a playbook for strengthening our creative muscles, no matter what role or what industry we are currently in. The episode today is with Josh Linkner. He's the author of three books, founder of five different tech companies, and a jazz guitarist. Hopefully that last descriptor caught you off guard a little bit because that's a warm up for reframing who actually is responsible for creativity at your place of work. Creativity is the idea of, of, of coming up with something that doesn't exist in the world. So if I just imagine that I could go outside and paint my car purple, that would be creative because today my car is not purple. To be innovative, it also has to be useful. So if I went out and painted my car purple, that would be highly like not useful. On the other hand, if I invented color-changing paint where a driver could, depending on their mood, select what color they want their car to be that day, that would be an innovation. So in other words, in this context, innovation is a subset of creativity. Innovation essentially is like useful creativity. Okay. So uh, in simplistic terms, I suppose creativity precedes innovation. Is that is that all right? I think it's a good way to think about it. And that, you know, in fact, sometimes we need a whole lot of creativity. Some ideas are often very bad. It often takes a lot of bad ideas to get to a good one. So if you think of, of creativity as sort of any new concept or idea and, and innovation of the ones that are most practical. Okay. Uh, but with those definitions in mind that you just laid out, why does innovation matter in leadership? Like what, what, is, what does it produce? Well, it's funny, you know, today we're living in unprecedented times of change and the competitions become more difficult. It's, it's, there's technology advances and consumers are shifting preferences. And so when you think about how can we compete when many of the advantages of the past have become commoditized, you can't cut your way to success. You have to grow your way to success. And, and innovation really is the fuel that gets you there. And, and whether, and here's the thing though, most people get wrong. Most people think that innovation is only for a CEO or someone wearing a lab coat. But mm-hmm. I believe that innovation can be for all of us. So in other words, if you if you run a, a customer service team that is handling inbound phone calls, why can't they be creative in the way they respond to customer needs? Or if you run a, a manufacturing plant, why can't you use inventive thinking to, to be more efficient along the way? So in that context, I like to call it everyday innovation. It applies to us all, personally and professionally. And for leaders, I think it's mission critical. Maybe in the past it was optional. Today it is mission critical. So leaders' primary job is to build and nurture a culture of innovation so they're able to tap into this incredibly powerful resource, this competitive advantage that is most likely dormant today but can be liberated for incredible things. How about creativity? Why does this matter to leadership? What is maybe some everyday creativity sort of thing in the the same thought process with everyday innovation? Why Why does this topic even matter? Well, I think it matters in a lot of for a lot of reasons. I mean, first of all, there's a talent war out there. And so what, one thing that people love is the ability to express human creativity. It's one of the most rewarding things that we can do as a person. So we often hire people for their incredible ideas and judgment, but don't let them use it. And in that case, you, you, there's no wonder that you have low employee engagement and you have high turnover mm-hmm. and low morale. And so 
just the fact of letting people use their imagination on a daily basis can boost engagement, morale, uh, longevity, et cetera. But beyond that, you know, the, the business landscape is very competitive. And if we want to win, if we want to outpunch the competition, if we want to drive better outcomes, we can't just do what we've always done and expect the same result, which means that all of us, if you have a thousand people, that means all thousand people ideally are adding a little bit of creativity to the mix to drive better performance organizationally. In this, this vein of encouraging creativity on a daily basis, what about the leader that's maybe listening in that doesn't view themselves as creative and maybe has a little bit of fear, apprehension that people are going to be throwing paper airplanes around the office or bringing their dogs to work to get creative? Like, what, How would you dispel some of that? Well, so there's two really important questions that you asked in there. The first one is the leader that doesn't think of themselves as creative. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. I've been studying human creativity now for, for a couple of decades, and the research is crystal clear that all of us, and I mean all of us as human beings, are hardwired to be creative. That's our natural state. Now, the thing is that we may manifest it in different ways. I play jazz guitar pretty well. I can't draw a stick figure if I tried. So we often think someone says, well, I, I'm not a good dancer or I'm not good with oil on canvas. That means I'm not creative. That's nonsense. You can be creative in finance. You can be creative in customer service. You can be creative in manufacturing. So each of us can express creativity in different ways, but truthfully, all of us are creative. Even the leader who's thinking right now, maybe they're not. And it's unfortunate because we've been sort of taught that we're not. But if we can we can quickly dust off the cobwebs and use those creative abilities to our competitive advantage. The second question that, that you asked is, you know, what can people do to, to, to sort of, you know, kind of nurture this, this everyday creativity? Uh, the thing I would suggest also is a bit of a myth buster. People think that to be creative, you have to solve world problems. Like you have to invent the cure to disease or something. Otherwise, it doesn't count. That is also nonsense. What I encourage people to do is practice high-frequency, teeny, teeny micro-innovations. So in other words, if you just make it a habit all the time to do things differently, a little creative. For example, maybe you go to lunch and you order your, your pepperoni underneath the cheese instead of on top. That was a creative act. And that right there is building your creative chops. And then you go run a meeting that you normally run and you always start with, with Jenny and, and instead you start with Craig, another creative act. Now, these little creative acts don't make the cover of a magazine, but they start to build your creative capacity. And just like anything else, it takes a lot of practice. When I was learning to play guitar, how do you get good? You, not, not by natural talent. You just keep practicing a lot. Same is exactly true with creativity. And it's weird because if, if, if I said, hey, go learn a new language, you wouldn't expect to be fluent on day one. You, yeah, it's going to take some work. But for some reason, we believe wrongfully that that we don't need any practice and you're either like this magically creative person or not. Just like a language, just like learning a new sport, it requires practice. I, I like to say that um, the Mona Lisa wasn't da Vinci's first painting. He had to learn to paint first. And so for us, don't, don't put the pressure of the world on ourselves where we have to create the Mona Lisa and if not, we stink. Let us practice lots of little creative acts and before long, your Mona Lisa will emerge. That's great. That's, that's really, really encouraging. Uh, in the Discipline Dreaming book, you talked about, I love this analogy. Um, I, I've never played jazz. I've I played an instrument a long, long time ago, but um, maybe use that analogy and flesh that out a little bit for, for those that haven't looked into the book. When you talk about coming up to the solo, the analogy of uh, not destroying the flow of what the song already has built out, like the parameters there, um, the parameters for, for the musical uh, um, arrangement have been laid out, but the notes that you're going to play for your solo haven't necessarily been written 
Like, how do you balance that within the analogy and then within the business world when it comes to creativity? Yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the title of the, my book that you're, you're referencing, Disciplined Dreaming, those are two words that, that often don't go together. But I think they're really important part of the creative process. So you need to have just, you have to have some structure or else it's a free-for-all. But if you have so much structure, it becomes stifling. And so the, the question that you're raising is exactly illustrating that balance, that when you go into a situation, you still need to have some, some, some parameters. So for example, instead of just raw creativity, like I said, going to paint my car purple, you might say, okay, here's the, here's the goal I'm trying to attack, or here's, here's the problem I'm trying to solve. Then you might say, okay, what's the desired outcome? And how much time do I have to get there? And how can I run a small prototype before I, 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 I bet the farm? And so by putting a little bit of structure in it, a little bit of even some constraints, you actually counterintuitively drive creativity rather than restrict it. So it really is that balance between sort of raw human creativity with a little bit of structure that works best. How do you personally view failure with all your successes and the, the, uh, the desire to, to, for more and to explain this to people and to help build this muscle of creativity? How do you personally view failure? Well, you know, there's a lot of there, the saying nowadays is, you know, fail fast, fail often and stuff. And, and that is true in theory. That being said, it stinks to fail. Like, it's not fun. I'm a human being and I get disappointed right. and I have self-doubt and all the things that everybody else does. The thing I will tell you is this. There's no such thing as creative perfection. So often the best creative breakthroughs come not in spite of failure or, or not, not in lieu of failure, but, but, but because of it. And so if you can, and I understand it's easier said than done, but if we can, if we look at setbacks and adversity and failure as a natural part of life, a natural part of the creative process, and, and then you start to say, let's remove judgment and what can we learn from it? You, you actually end up being way better off. For example, there's never been a drug therapy, uh, uh, that, that you know, a billion-dollar life-saving drug therapy, where some dude in a lab's like, hey, I got an idea, and then it was just perfect. Think about how experimentation happens in a lab. They, they run hundreds of experiments and thousands of clinical trials, and they keep tweaking it in order to get it right. That's a good metaphor for creativity. It's, un, it, it's unrealistic that our first idea is going to be the best idea. There's one of my favorite sayings, what do all great authors have? in common, lousy first drafts. <laughs> and it's, it, it's so true. So, so I think, you know, like, let's, the best we can, we're still human, you know, we still have feelings, but let's try where we can to look at that, those setbacks and failures as data points, as learning opportunities, rather than soul-crushing defeats. Uh, the other thing I'll tell you real quick, you were talking about music. When I go mm -hmm. play a jazz gig, people ask me this often. They say, hey, how do you know you're going to be, you're going to play it right? I mean, you, you have to improvise 99% of the notes that you play. How do you know you're going to do it right? And here's the secret. I know for sure I'm not going to play it right. In other words, I have 100% confidence I will screw it up. What it is, is that the confidence comes in your ability to course correct and recover, to learn from what went wrong and get back at it. And so for the folks listening today, I would say, don't think that you have to take the stage or the boardroom or the client call and you're about to be perfect. Quite the opposite. Know with certainty that you're going to miss something but then just be willing to adapt in real time and course correct and let your creativity lead the way through those inevitable setbacks. And now for some of us who want to hit a home run the first time up to the plate, I know I'm mixing analogies between uh, sports and music, but um, that can be, I, I could feel myself kind of internally resisting some of that because I want to, I want to do it perfectly the first time, but that, that in and of itself seems to cannibalize the, the air of creativity that's needed, uh, the humility, I guess, uh, to approach creativity. 
Um, so I, I took actually on your website, I took the creativity assessment and um, I'm in the process of reading uh, Discipline Dreaming and I've definitely got some work to do. I think my score was, uh, you know, between the 60 and 70% mark um, did discover because of that assessment, uh, you know, definitely a gap in needing a system from going from idea to implementation, um, you know, identifying basically who does what and that kind of thing. So it was very, very helpful. So that, that leads me into this, this next question with the remaining time, I'd, I'd like to zoom in on, uh, what I've found on your site, the, the seven deadly sins of creativity, if we could. Sure. Real quickly on the assessment before we hit that. Mm -hmm. Um, sure. Please know that the assessment is basically like, um, like, like hopping on a scale. It it gives you data in a moment of time. It doesn't give you a sense of of how creative you are as a person. And, and this is a key point because if you, for example, took a DNA test that tells you something about fundamentally who you are, my belief is fundamentally who we are. All of us are creative geniuses. Again, I, and I don't say that weirdly. I mean, I really believe that everyone is creative. The assessment that you're referencing doesn't tell you, oh, this person is more creative than that person. It just says, where do you stand right now today and where are the opportunities for growth? Just like a scale isn't permanent, you can gain weight or lose weight. Same thing with this assessment. So I just wanted the audience to realize that, that we are all creative and the research is so clear on this that even if you feel a little uh, not so creative or you need to dust off the cobwebs, doesn't mean you don't have the capacity to become more creative and deploy these skills more over time. That's very helpful. I'm glad that you interjected that. Yes. So the seven uh, deadly sins of creativity, what, what, what do those look like? Um, how, how would you describe those? Yeah. The thing is that, as mentioned, natural talent is not the thing that holds us back as creative, as creative forces. There's other things that hold us back. And the biggest one, I'll just touch on a couple of these. So you're referencing mm -hmm. for the listeners a piece that I wrote a while back called The Seven Deadly Sins of, of Creativity. Um, but number one at the list, absolute top of the pack is fear. And fear is the biggest blocker of human creativity, not natural talent. And think about it. You're in a meeting, you have a crazy idea, but instead of sharing it, you hold it back because you don't want to look foolish or you don't want to be embarrassed or, or what if it doesn't work out right? What does that mean to your career? So the single biggest thing that we can do to conquer these deadly sins is if you as a leader can remove fear, fear and creativity cannot coexist in the same room. So if you have a fear-based culture, no one's going to be creative. So the very first step here as a leader, to be a creative leader, is to create a safe environment where all ideas are celebrated, the good ones, the bad ones, the in-between ones, et cetera. That is so good. So fear and creativity, oil and water cannot coexist as a leader. We have to dispel fear as quickly as possible if we're going to have a culture of creativity. All right, so that's number one. Uh, we've got a couple more minutes if you want to run through one or two more of those. Yeah, sure. Another one is, um, is playing it safe. For some reason, you know, and I understand it actually, because we've been taught to follow the rules and guess what the teacher knows and there's only one right answer. And we're taught that, you know, our part of our job is to play it safe. But here's, here's, the, here's the gotcha, here's the trap. One thing I've learned now in 29 years in business is that too often we overestimate the risk of trying something new, but we underestimate the risk of standing still or also known as playing it safe. In other words, playing it safe can become the riskiest thing that we can do. So I think it's our job to, to really have guzzle some truth serum and look carefully. Hey, if I play it really safe, trying, you know, playing not to, not to lose, how did that work out for Pan Am Airlines or Oldsmobile or Blockbuster? And so, you know, again, playing it safe, I, I think can be a bigger trap than, than, than we, we guess. That's good. As we start to uh, wind down the, the conversation, the time together, 
the things that we couldn't cover, what would you encourage our listeners with uh, as we end the interview, uh, both uh, the, the ones that have the positional leadership, the authority, the ones that maybe set the tone, and then also uh, the folks that are the direct reports that f- maybe feel stifled, that want this, that are leaning into you saying, yes, I want that creativity. Like, How, how would you encourage both of those uh, both of those sets of listeners first well for both both sets really i think it's just like as you mentioned learning a new language or learning to play tennis it just takes some practice you got to do the reps it's much less about so and so has all this natural creative talent as, as opposed to you know have you been practicing it so what i would encourage people to do is the best they can even for a seven day sprint for seven days in a row just try to see if you can do one little teeny 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 creative thing once a day as mentioned don't even swing for the fences like like it could be you send an email differently to your colleague or you make a sales call in a little different way or you send a proposal slightly differently. So small, teeny acts of creativity, I call them big little breakthroughs, those really start to build your, your skills and I, I would encourage it. Um, for the leaders though, I would also say just back, back to that point of fear, anything that you can do to create a ritual and reward system around removing fear will drive the creative capacity of your team. So a primary job here. It's, it's actually pretty cool. Like the step one, remove fear. Step two, creativity almost happens. It's almost like, like, like fear is, is, is that, is that poisonous thing. It's killing all the beautiful flowers. You remove the fear and the flowers sprout. And so if you can build rituals and rewards, I highly recommend it. One quick example of what I mean by that. One company in my inner, in my research issues every year, every team member, whole company, two corporate get out of jail free cards each year. Here's what they say. Go, go out on a limb, they tell everybody. Try something new. And if you screw it up, hand us a card and you're off the hook. No <laughs> questions asked. That's great. And here's the thing. On the annual reviews, a leader will be disappointed with a team member if they haven't used both of them. So what they're doing is they're setting up this ritual and reward system where, where they're encouraging and, and almost demanding people to, to push the boundaries. And it's okay. You know, fear is not going to, we, we got a safety net here. You, you don't have to be worried about it. And just think about the, the message that that, that sends and, and, and the vibe that that drives deep into the DNA of this company about taking responsible risks and being creative. So again, as a leader, build systems, rituals, and rewards to support the creative act and remove the fear. That is so helpful. It is a great way uh, to, to end the conversation here. Um, Josh, thank you for the time. Thank you for the, the just kind of laying on us uh, you know, summation, 20-some minutes here and uh, roughly 20-ish years of, of experience, so over 20 years of experience that you've got. I know we didn't do it justice, but this is a good taste. Um, for those of us that are leaning in, that are interested, where would you uh, s- encourage them to click next, uh, to engage with you, to see more and uh, to, to you know start to consume more of this content? Yeah, thank you so much. Well, please, if, if anyone wants to visit my website, joshlinkner.com, J-O-S-H-L-I-N-K-N-E-R.com. I've been writing a blog for 10 plus years. We've got a podcast called Creative Troublemakers that's going to be launching soon. Uh, so so lots, lots there. The other thing is I actually put something together for, for the listeners today. If they visit 21, just the number 21.platypuslabs.com, that's P-L-A-T-Y-P-U-S labs.com. So it's 21.platypuslabs.com. Uh, if, you, if you register there, it's totally free. I won't steal your data, nothing like that. But I will send you for exactly and only 21 days in a row, a three-minute read once a day. So it's an idea or it's a story it's a, or a technique. What I've learned is that these small micro learnings, little teeny doses of learning with high frequency over time, drive the best outcomes. And so it's a free thing. Feel free to sign up, 21.platypuslabs.com. 
And uh, that's what you'll get from me. 21 days of inspiration, uh, exactly in only 21 days. Awesome. That is so good. We'll, we, we will have all of that in the show notes as well. If you're driving your car, running on the treadmill, uh, don't crash the car or stop your run. Just go to the show notes when you're uh, to a safe place. Cars pulled over to the side or you're done with your exercising. I'll have all that in the show notes there. Uh, engage with Josh. He is a fantastic resource. Pick up one of his books. Do the, the uh, 21 days exercise and see your creativity flourish. Josh, thank you so much for this conversation. Truly a pleasure. And, and by the way, thank you. You're making the world a better place with this, this podcast. And I'm very grateful to participate. Thank you. Takeaway and action item. Takeaway. Look for and encourage the big little breakthroughs. Action item. Eliminate fear with ritual and reward so creativity can grow and innovation can happen. If you've gotten value from this episode, my ask is that you pass it along to somebody, either at your work or maybe it's a friend that you haven't seen in a long time. And if you're really, really feeling inspired, take a couple extra minutes. This is a huge ask, I know, because you're busy. But give us a review and a five-star rating in whatever app you use for listening to podcasts. Thank you for your time. If you're wanting to connect with us, you can shoot an email at impactpodcast at ccbtechnology.com. Or you can shoot me a message and connection on LinkedIn, Steve Shear, just search that out. And as I always say, I truly do mean it, from all of us here at CCB, thanks for listening. <laughs>